Daniel, Isaac, and myself meet every Thursday, and they are in they are trying to train me on how to do pastorate, you know. So, no, I'm joking. And uh, we read a book occasionally, and right now we're reading a book by Leonard Ravenhill, and it's entitled, Why Revival Tarries. In other words, why revival is not happening, why revival is not taking place. And in that book, he, he read something this last week that I read, and I just wanted to share it with you. Leonard Ravenhill said, the scientific world has broken the sound barrier. The sinful and lustful world has broken the sin barrier. And he said, now it's time for us to break the doubt barrier. And uh, I, I love that because I'm in this series right now on doubt. And uh, it's entitled, When in Doubt. And that's the series that we're in right now. And... Um, this, uh, we've been talking about this idea of how doubt, if, if it's left unchecked in our heart, it can be a hindrance to our walk of faith. And uh, doubt, I think, on some levels is unavoidable. In other words, we're all going to have doubts in our life, but it is also to be inexcusable. Jesus said, if you want to see mountains in your life move, you have to believe God. And don't let doubt reign in your heart. Jesus tells us, in, so, in no uncertain terms, you may struggle with doubt, but you got to get it out. And uh, so over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this idea of when you're in doubt, we talked about when we doubt the truth, because sometimes we, don't, we doubt that the truth is true for today or true for me. And truth is truth. Okay, you guys, you better get on board with where I'm going. <laughs> Last week we talked about when you doubt God's call, because God has a calling on your life. And sometimes we have all these doubts as to why we can't do that. Today I want to talk about when you doubt God's promises. And I want to come from a passage of Scripture that I, have, I don't think I've ever preached from before. I've made reference to the story, but I've never preached from it. And I, I want to set it up before I start reading. But the story is this. God chose Abraham and Sarah, and he said, I'm going to bring a child through you. And this child, and through this child, a nation will be formed that will bless the entire world. And both Abraham and Sarah were called to this. And God had been dealing with Abraham a great deal and trying to help him to trust him. And, uh, but then he came to Abraham in chapter 17, and he basically said, I just want, I just want to remind you that I'm going to bring a child into this world, and this child is going to come through you and Sarah. And I had this imagination that he went home and told Sarah what God had said. She's 89, he's 99, and I think she probably had some doubts. And so... Chapter 18 picks up, and it talks about how it's a really hot day, and Abraham's shading himself under the tree. 
and uh, Sarah's doing things that Sarah does in the tent or whatever she's doing. And these three persons show up, and I believe that most scholars believe that one of them was a theophany, one of them was the pre-incarnate Lord himself showing up, maybe with two angels with him. Three persons, and Abraham sees them coming, begs them to stay, says, let me prepare a meal for you. I want you to stay here with us. And so he goes in and says to Sarah, cook some bread. I'll go out and find a calf, slaughter it, prepare it. We're going to feed these three persons that are here. And the Bible says that Abraham is standing over them while they're eating. And I want to pick up in Genesis chapter 18, verse 9. And while they're eating, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he, this, this person of the Lord, said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And the Bible says that Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, I will surely bear, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son." Apparently, Sarah comes out the door. She says, I, she denied it. She said, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, oh, no, but you did laugh. Then the rest of the story, I just want to go ahead and take you right to it. It's found in Genesis chapter 21. And it says, and the Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken for Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which the Lord had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Isaac meaning laughter. We have one of those guys right in our own church. We have one of those. He's a funny guy. I don't know if you've ever gotten to know him. And it says in verse 6, And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. All who will hear will laugh with me. Shakespeare said, he who laughs last laughs best. That's a tongue twister. That's what Shakespeare said. Sarah had the first and the last laugh. On the front end, she laughed because the promise seemed so ridiculous. She laughed in doubt. But the second time she laughed at the naming of her child, it was a holy laughter. It was a laughter of faith in amazement that God fulfilled this promise. And so I want to talk about this idea that when we doubt the promises of God. So Lord, we invite you now to come and speak your words of promise into our spirit today. And Lord, many of us are carrying promises in our lives. And uh, we've wondered what's, what's up with that. And I just pray today, God, that you would confirm your word to your people. 
Teach us and train us on how to be like Sarah and work through our doubts in order to receive our promise. In Jesus' name, and everybody says amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, this one is just for you. Go ahead and tell them that. You're supposed to hear this one. So the great evangelist, I think he even pastored, but the great evangelist D.L. Moody said, God never made a promise too good to be true. If God made a promise, it's good and it's true. And it's not too good to be true. The Bible reveals that God gives hundreds of promises that he wants us to claim for ourselves. And he says, I want you to experience rest. Come to me so that you can have rest. He said, if you abide in my word, you'll experience freedom. Um, He said, if you abide in me, you will produce fruit in your life. All these promises in the scriptures, God gives to us. And he says, I want you to take the promises that I've shared in my word in a general sense. And I want you to claim those for yourself. But there isn't just biblical promises, that things that you just specifically find in the scriptures. I think there are very real, practical, and specific promises God gives to us on a personal level. God may have promised you that he has someone special in mind for you and that you need to hold on. And he maybe has even given you a picture of this person. And, uh, and they may not even know they're the ones. And, uh, but God does give, he can do that. God can give us promises. Sometimes God will give us a promise about a business that we wanted to start and that the Lord has promised us that this is going to happen. And, um, or maybe uh, about you know, an, an increase in our finances or a ministry that God has laid upon our heart and he's promised us some things about that. Maybe he's promised you that he's going to heal you of this particular physical affliction that you've been uh, battling uh, in your life, maybe for weeks or maybe even into years. Perhaps God has promised you very specifically that your child will come home to Jesus, that the child that is not right now walking with the Lord, that he or she is going to do that. The Lord will give us promises like this. It's kind of like the promised land. Sometimes, you know, the children of Israel for 40 years, they could see off in the horizon the promised land. They just weren't in the promise. And so sometimes we see it, and it's kind of like it shows up in a dream and a vision by the Holy Spirit. You know what dreams and visions are of the Holy Spirit? They're spirit-inspired visions of the promise that God has in store for you. That's what they are. And so God will give us these promises. Now, I think we all would agree that a promise made should be a promise kept. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? That's why, moms and dads, you want to be careful about what you promise your children. Whenever my kids asked me a question, my answer was always, well, we'll see. I didn't want to get on the hook of a promise that I wasn't going to keep. And um, So a promise made should be a promise kept. Well, God is a promise maker, and he is a promise keeper. Now, we, however, are promise doubters sometimes. And doubt, when it's left unchecked in our heart, can be a hindrance to us stepping into the full promise of God for our life. 
And so this brings us back to the story of Sarah, because up until this point in the book of Genesis, God has been primarily dealing with Abraham. And, uh, but he's only one half of the equation. She's very much a part of this promise, and she's very important to the destiny of what God wants to do through them in the earth. And, uh, but as I said, said to you earlier, like I think God, was, God showed up in this time in her life because he wanted to help her to get on board with his plan and his purpose and the promise that he had given to them. And so I want to talk about this today. Now, before we kind of get into the practicals of Sarah's experience and talk about how to obtain God's promises for our lives, I want to, first of all, before we talk about the promises of God, I want to talk about the God of promise. That's where we want to start. I want to, first of all, focus in on the God of promise. Now, the validity of any promise is dependent on the character and the ability of the one who made the promise. This is really important. The promise isn't given to me because I'm so full of promise. Boy, you guys are quiet. Is it me? Am I putting you to sleep? You're, you're awake out there, aren't you? So the promise God gives isn't because I'm so promising. The promise that God gives is totally dependent upon him because he gave it. And so we always fall short, but God never fails concerning his promises. And so if we're going to understand the greatness of God's promise, we have to understand the attributes of his nature. Let's just focus in just for a moment here on the, on the attributes of this promise maker and this promise keeper. God, the God of promise is, first of all, when he gives a promise, he is purposeful about his promises. God's promises are not arbitrary. They're not random. God is not just randomly dishing out promises because he's a good God and he wants you to enjoy life. Promises aren't for your enjoyment only. They serve a purpose in God's greater work that is going on in the earth. When God makes you a promise, it's not just for you to be happy and satisfied about your own life but it's for the good of what he wants to do in a world around you who needs to encounter the living God. Peter talks about this a little bit, and he says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. How many of you know that's true today? To live a godly life, God's given you everything you need already. It's at your disposal already, right? And he says, we have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Now look, verse four, and because of his glory and excellence, we have, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and to escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. All of that to say, Peter is saying, God has made promises to you. He has given promises to you for the good of everything and everyone around you. There's purpose for it. 
Amen. Now here's another thing about God, the promise giver. He is not only purposeful, but he is truthful. In other words, when God says it, we can believe it because he's not going to lie to us. He's going to tell us the truth. God gives you a promise. That's the truth. And somebody would come up and say, well, it hasn't happened. So what? It's the truth. Amen. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 says that God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? That's the truth. When God gives you a promise, it's the truth. It's for purpose, and it is the truth. And here's another thing about the God of promise. He's faithful. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 and 9, God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says. So if what he says is the truth, Paul says that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. He is faithful to do it. And he says, he has invited us into partnership with his son. And so he's faithful. How many of you know that God the Father is not going to let his son down? Come on, can I get a good amen out there? And you are in Christ, and Christ is in you, so he's not going to let you down. We are joint heirs together with Christ. And so if he's made a promise, he's good to see it through. He is faithful. Now, in my unfaithfulness, I may slow the process down. I may hinder what God is doing. I may get myself off course with what God has planned for my life. But God remains faithful to himself. And Paul said here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, he says, If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Whew, come on now, that's good news. Amen. I'm looking at a bunch of unfaithful people. I am too. You're listening to one. But God is faithful. He won't deny himself. I may slow down the process. I may hinder what God wanted to do when he wanted to do it. But God is still faithful. He cannot deny himself. He is going to be who he is going to be. And that's it. Hallelujah. Man, that's good news. And so our God is not only purposeful in his promises, he's not only truthful about what he says to you, but he is also faithful in how he's going to bring it about. But this fourth thing that I want to focus in on for just a moment is that God, our promise keeper and maker, is immutable. And the word immutable means he doesn't mutate. That means he doesn't change. He is unchangeable. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, this is the Lord. He said, I am the Lord. I do not change. This is why you descendants of Jacob are not utterly destroyed. That's encouraging to hear. The reason why you're not dead yet is because I don't change my promises and my will and my plan and my purpose for you as my nation. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They are 
irrevocable, the Bible says. And so when God made the nation of Israel a promise, he said, you are going to hurt yourself, you're going to put yourself in bondage, you're going to put yourself in harm's way, but I still, my promise is still going to happen. You've changed, but I don't change. There's now, this is really important because there's a verse of Scripture that says, the Lord said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. He did not say they perish for lack of promise. They, were, they had all of the promise of God at their disposal. But they were perishing outside of the promise of God. Why? Because they lacked knowledge or they weren't leaning into it. They weren't learning of it. They weren't going after it. And he said, they're perishing. They're hurting themselves and keeping themselves out of my divine destiny for their life. And he said, the reason why they're perishing is lack of knowledge, not lack of promise. They had all the promise in the world. Can I just tell you today, you have all of the promises of God at your disposal. And if we're perishing, it's not for lack of promise. It's lack of knowledge. Amen. So this brings us to Abraham and Sarah because God called them. If I went back and read that again in, in chapter 12 of Genesis, and God called Abraham and Sarah to go to a place out of which he would raise up a nation. Both of them. And they went. But over the course of time in their journey, how many of you know when you read the story, they weren't perfect? And they made some choices, and they took some, they, they left, they left uh, the land, so to speak, in times of famine, and got themselves into a little trouble, and a little hot water, and then you know, and over the course of about 25 years, there was a lot of changes. They changed, people changed, times changed, but God never changed. God was true to his word. He was true to his promise. And that's where we come back to the story now. And I, I just wanted to give you a sense of God's, the God of promise. I wanted you, it's important that we understand that when God gives us a promise, it's, it's for purpose He's truthful about it, he's faithful in it, and he's unchanging concerning it. He's tr that's, that's just the facts. But now I want to talk about the promises of God. And I want to talk about this idea when God, who is a God of promise, gives you a promise. How do we get hold of the promise of God for our life? How do we obtain it? And I want to show you a verse of Scripture. It's found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15. And this is what God's word says. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Would you read that out loud with me? And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Everybody say, obtained. Now, that's an interesting word. I looked it up, and the word literally means to hit the thing. That's what the word means. It means to hit, and, it, and uh, the, to further give it explanation, they said it means it was used as a javelin. In throwing a javelin or in uh, shooting an arrow, it has this idea that you're aiming at a mark, and you, to obtain it, you hit it. And I don't know if anybody in the room uh, has ever thrown an axe 
But I'm going to tell you, if you take me on, I'll whoop you. <laughs> I'm good at it. I hit the bullseye. And uh, I don't know how that happened, because I'm mostly not good at most things. So, but I, you just got to, you kind of have to get into the rhythm, and you got to get that, you know, that release, and you kind of have to do that step, and you have to work at it. And, and you know, if you're going to obtain the promise you got to give it a little bit of, you know, practice. You got to learn how to step into it. You got to learn how to stick with it so that you hit the thing. You obtain the promise. God gave you a promise, not just not just as wishful thinking out there that somehow maybe by chance we might float into it, all things being considered good. He gave you a promise to go after it. He gave you a promise to step into it. He gave you a promise so that you could know how to get to the end result of what he's showing you. He gives you the promise here so he can get you there. That's what promises are all about. That's why God gives them. And so we need to learn how to obtain the promise. And so this is where I want to come back to Sarah because I think the story of Sarah and her struggle with this I think is, is really helpful for us. It helps us to identify how to, how to obtain God's promises. First of all, if we're going to obtain the promise, we need to follow God's plan, not our plans. Now, God has a plan to get you where he wants you to go. There is a plan There's a method to his madness, so to speak. There is a way he wants to get you there, and your way is probably the most incorrect of all ways. Amen. The moment you think you're helping God out, you're not helping God out, you're hurting yourself. Now, in chapter 17, as I shared with you, God came to Abraham and basically reminded Abraham that he was, he was about to get ready to birth this promised child, and it was going to come through Sarah. It wasn't going to be Hagar's child, who was Ishmael. That was a, that was a mistake. That was, a, that was Sarah's plan, and Abraham joined it. Abraham jumped right on board with her plan, have relations with my servant girl, And then we will obtain her child for ourselves, and that will be the child of promise. God shows up in chapter 17 and says, nope, that's that's not the child. That's not the plan. That was never my plan. That was your plan, and boy, did you really mess things up. But never mind, I'm still good. I'm still God. I still can make good things out of big messes. And I work all things together for good to them that love me and are the called according to my purpose. Aren't you glad that God is patient with your impatience? Because that's what Sarah was. That's what Abraham was. They were impatient concerning the promise of God. And so Sarah came up with this really brainy idea. Sleep with my servant. She'll have a child. That'll be our child. And God says, no, that's not the one. And you know what Abraham said? He's like, oh, please, God, let this one be the one. 
Why did he say that? He's 99. He's done. I'm done having kids. And so the Lord shows up. Why does he show up in chapter 18? Because he's got to get through to Sarah's heart. He's already dealt with Abraham. Abraham went back, told Sarah, I'm quite certain she said, nah, that ain't happening. So God had to go in chapter 18 and basically deal with her to get to bring her to the place to receive his plan and not go by her plan. Because she has a track record now. When things don't happen the way that I think they should or will, I'll just take matters into my own hands. And that's a big mistake. Are you guys okay? Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, this is the Lord, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God says, I've got plans for you. And if you understand the promise in the backstory of Jeremiah chapter 29, this was when the children of Israel had been carried off into Babylonian captivity. And some prophet of God was telling the people, don't worry, we're not going to be here long. God's going to send us back home. Jeremiah shows up and says, that's not what God said. We're going to get out of this mess. God's telling us we're going to get out of this mess. Jeremiah says, no. Get ready. It's going to be 70 years. Don't you feel blessed today? It's going to be, it's going to be, this is going to be a long, hard road. But in the middle of that, God said, but I've got a plan. And it's not to destroy you. It's to bless you. I'm going to get you where I want you to be this way. I don't want to go that way. Never mind. It's my plan. Amen. I don't know about you, but if I had it my way, I wouldn't have taken some of the journeys that I've been on. I I don't understand when people say, I wouldn't change a thing in my life. Well, that's dumb. I would. You don't have to learn things the hard way. And so, Solomon said, there are many plans in a man's heart. I love this. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that's what stands. You can make your plans, but you really want God's plan. Amen. And just always remember what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, You're, the, the Lord speaking through Isaiah said, I need you to know. My ways are not your ways. My thinking isn't your thinking. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways high above your ways. And my thoughts high above your thoughts. Hallelujah. So if we're going to obtain the promise of God, we have to just posture ourselves to say, okay, God, I'm following you. That's where I'm going. Number two, we need to make our positive confession. Now this is my most unfavorite point, my most uh, unfavorite point of these of, that I'm going to share with you. I'm not a very positive guy. But we have to make our positive confession. Uh, 
Sarah was, the Lord was at, he said, where's Sarah? And he said, Abraham said, she's in the tent. And then the Lord said, this time next year, I'm going to return and there's going to be this child. And um, she was eavesdropping, listening in. And she laughed within herself. And then she was, and then she started saying, she started saying, I'm old. Abraham's decrepit. I'm old. He's decrepit. Am I going to have a child? Am I going to, is God going to do this? And she started, you see what she did? She went to these thoughts. This can't happen. There's no way. This, this, is, this is not going to work. I cannot see God doing this. And I love it because the Lord said, why did she laugh? Now, the inference is no one heard it because she did it within herself. She did it in here, in here, right? And she started saying things to herself in her mind. And the Lord, who is the Lord, he knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. And sometimes it's thinking. Thinking. Sometimes it's not very good, right? And the Lord gently confronts the situation. Why did Sarah say... And she comes out, oh, I never said it. You didn't hear me say it. Oh, but you did, he said. I heard. I heard. The confrontation was a gentle rebuke to correct her thinking, which led to her speaking. There's something very important about this idea of claiming the promises of God. There's something very important about it. Jesus said, say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. That's what Jesus said. He said, say this. Don't say this. In, it kind of implying, don't speak this way. Speak this way. Take authority over this thing. Speak into existence the truth and the promise and the will of God. Don't say these kinds of things. Say this kind of thing. Say to this mountain. Right? And so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God is going to bring it through, but I need to hold on to my confession of hope, my confession of faith. Amen. And so that means we need to sometimes. You know, not just shut our mouth, but shut down our thinking, which is saying, we're saying things in our head. And God hears it. And it's hindering you. Amen. Ah, we're almost done, everybody. Listen, if we believe the Lord will do what he says, then we must confidently claim the promises of God for ourselves. Because what happens to us, if we have doubts, we're going to get all wrapped up and concerned and worried and we're going to be disillusioned and discouraged and we're saying these things in our head that are not the truth. I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that, that's not going to happen. And we start, and we start talking ourselves right out of the promise like 10 out of the 12 spies did. 
We're going to talk ourselves right out of the promise and we're going to miss out on the promise that God has in store because we spoke ourselves right out of it. And so we have to turn our words from negative, faithless declarations to speaking God's truth, positive confession of faith. Amen. Amen. Here's a third thing we need to do to to obtain the promise. We need to wait for God's perfect timing. This is the one we hate, right? Why is God always late? We got to wait for God's perfect timing. I want you to see Genesis chapter 18, verse 10. And the Lord said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Notice that little phrase, according to the time of life. You see that? The time. Everybody say time. Look at Genesis chapter 21, verse 2. It says that Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. There's that word again. There's that time. God has perfect timing. Amen. What did Sarah do over the next year? She had to wait for God's time. She had to wait because there was a time that God was going to bring it all together. So what do you do? You just wait on God's time and understand that Your times are in his hands, and he has your best interest at heart. The promise is God's. It's all in his perfect timing. And then the final thing that I want to share with you here this morning, in order to obtain the promise, we need to trust in God's power to make it happen. The angel of the Lord said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's what he said. She said she's too old. She says you're too old. But is anything too hard for the Lord? You know, those very same words were said to another woman about a child. Her name was Mary, and it was about the Christ child that was going to come. And Gabriel said, is anything too hard for God? Or nothing is too hard for God. Same words. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the Bible said the Lord visited Sarah, and he said... Uh, As he said, and the Lord did for Sarah, just as he had spoken, the Lord did it. Everybody say, the Lord did it. She didn't do it. She didn't make this miracle happen. She was a vessel through which the miracle came, and she needed to participate in the effort, but it was God's power. This was not possible, humanly speaking. And when God gives you a promise, to know it's really from God, you have to know that the promise that God gives you is, first of all, validated by the Word of God. When God gives you a promise, if you can't find it in the Scripture, it's probably not of God, because God isn't going to tell you to do something that isn't already in His Word, so to speak. God's not going to tell you to do something that's contrary to his word. 
But also there's another point you know that you've heard from God and you got a promise from God. It's usually way bigger than you and you can't do it in your normal strength, in your natural strength. When God gives a promise, it's over your head. Amen. And you can't do it. So you know you've heard from God when God gives you a promise that you're not able to do it, but God will do it. And all he needs for you is to step into it and be the vessel through whom he can work. I want you to see the rest of the story found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. And it says, this is the end, this is the end result of Sarah. It says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. Look at what happened. She received strength to conceive seed. That's all God. That's not her. You're not going to be able to make this happen in and of yourself. It's all God. And she bore a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So Sarah doubted, and then she believed. She had her doubts, but she processed through those doubts concerning the promise of God and as a result of that, it says here, this is, the, this is the final story about her. It says that she received strength to conceive and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She knew it was God. It wasn't her. And God is going to do it for you the same, the same thing that God did for her, I believe he wants to do for you. Can we all stand here this morning? So I don't know if you have any promises right now that God has given you that you have not yet seen this promise fulfilled in your life. But I really want to encourage you today that God is, I think he's doing a Sarah visitation here today with us. He's meeting with us right now and he's letting you know that I have things in store and I've not changed my mind about it. I'm still on board with it, but I need you to step into it. And this promise to be fulfilled means that you have to be willing to go there. And sometimes we're not willing to go there. So I want to challenge us this morning. Say, okay, God, what is it? What do you want me to do? Maybe he's saying, lay down your plan and take up mine. You've got to lay it down. The plan that you came up with is not the plan. Amen. Let's just posture ourselves right now. Can I have all the prayer ministry people come up front if you would right now and just prepare to pray with anyone who may need prayer this morning? As they're, as they're coming, I just want to invite you today if you are in a place where you have been waiting on a promise from God, looking to a promise, or maybe there's a promise that you've been afraid to claim for yourself because you think it's just so unreal, it's unnatural to you, it doesn't seem like it fits your life, just want to, I just want to encourage you today to come forward to receive prayer, to let God do this work in your heart, 
and let him do what needs to be done in your life. Before we leave here, would you just lift your hands with me in just kind of a receiving manner? Lord, I just pray for, your, for all of your kids in this room right now today. I pray, God, that your, that your presence would be poured out upon each and every one of us. Lord, you know the things that we're going through. You know the things that we're facing in our lives. God, you know the promises that we've lost hope for. You know the things that we need to set claim to. And I pray today, God, that we would receive the promises of God, but also, God, that we would draw near to the God of promise. God, that we would get close to you, that we would lean into you, that we would rest in you. God, have your way right now all over this sanctuary, all over this place, God. Make it happen, God, by your power, by your grace. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.